Welcome to Backlog Dialogues, the podcast where we dig you out of your backlog before it burrs you. I'm John, and joining me as always are the pain and panics, my Hades. I'm Jared. Oh, I'm not doing the Bobcat goes wait. <laughs> I'm Jared. <laughs> I, I don't think I can match that voice, so I'm Matt, and I want to be panicked just because. Well, and that works. It's Matt Frewer, so you're halfway there. <laughs> How do you know these things off the top of your head? I, I don't know Bobcat Goldthwaite, and I looked up Matt Frewer a short time ago to remind myself. Like, you're not going to forget Bobcat Goldthwaite's voice. <laughs> Bobcat Goldthwaite does certainly have a distinctive voice. He has a, certainly has a distinctive name. Yes. Is he one of those guys who actually talks like that, or can he turn that off? I do not know. Because <laughs> from what I understand, Gilbert Gottfried can actually turn that off. But does he want to? <laughs> would you have a voice as angelic as Gilbert Gottfried's? Would you turn it off ever? <laughs> and I know that the ACDC guy can turn it off as well. Like, you know, just distinctive voices, but it's it's a it's an affectation. I do think Goldthwaite's voice is at least close to his normal voice. Maybe he rasps it up a bit, but he definitely has that sort of high yet gruff voice. Got it. Mm. So today we're going to be focusing mostly on one world. But before we can go there, our gummy ship has decided it knows what's best and it drags our asses back to Hollow Bastion. Look, there's this really important book you got to check out. So that so the, uh, the, the, the ship tells us what to do. <laughs> the it's a but thou must sort of thing, but it doesn't matter that much. I just think that the power of friendship has taken over our gummy ship. I think it's more just uh, that this game is not going to let us miss Winnie the Pooh. But we're like <laughs> we're going to save our big discussion for Winnie the Pooh later on when we do our big wrap up of all the side stuff toward, at the end. But this happens in the story right now, and the story won't won't allow us to go further until we do this. So we're going to talk about this part of the story now. Just to make sure that we can't sell this game in China. <laughs> if we're entertaining theories, this is at being Merlin's house. And I think that guy is terrifyingly powerful. So maybe he dragged the ship back. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. Actually, I think that oh. that might be like the explicit reason is that Merlin gets Chippendale to just do a recall and pull us back in. Yep. So Merlin called us here because he wants to tell us that he found Pooh's storybook again. Before we get in there, the story starts with Heartless having broken into Merlin's house. Yeah, our, our eldritch forces have just resorted to home invasions. Yep, they don't notice Sora, Donald, and Goofy, who are having a leisurely walk up the road. They just are storming out of the house. So yeah, a bunch of heartless around Merlin's house, and we're just like, eh, I'd rather see what's inside. I forget exactly what his reasoning is, but he decides to go off and find Leon and the rest of the Final Fantasy characters. I think... The reason for it, he wanted to, he wanted to tell Leon others he found the book. I'm kind of amazed other people yeah. besides Sora give. I mean, no, no skin off Winnie the Pooh's back there, but Sora's the only one we ever saw interact with it. Everyone loves the Winnie the Pooh book, okay? It's the most precious treasure in all of Hollow Bastion. And, and the Heartless wanted it too. Merlin fought him back with his powerful magics. Yep. Merlin wanders off, go find Leon, tell him about the bear, and instantly Sora's bored was kind of thinking about how Winnie the Pooh works in here in Kingdom Hearts in general and I realized that since it's prevent, presented as a book it almost kind of hints that the line between fictional stories and worlds in the Kingdom Hearts setting is maybe a little bit blurred I could make another reference I'm not allowed to make yet but I think I'll refrain this time. They go into the book while Merlin's away. Just yeah, so Sora's like, I wonder how Pooh's doing. Donald's like, hey, want to find out? Want to take a hit off the book? Yeah, 
Donald is totally Sora's enabler, and Goofy has not been able to stop this particular instance of let's do stupid shit. <laughs> he's 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 conserving his energy. You can only stop Sora and Donald from doing so much, and this one probably feels harmless. Yeah, like there's nothing bad that can happen to Sora, and he goes into that book, right? Right? Well, I mean, nothing bad happens to Sora. As we go into the book, Sora finds Pooh sitting on his thinking log. And it's basically just the start of an episode of Winnie the Pooh episode chapter. I don't know exactly how the original stuff is structured. I mean, it was books first, but and it's yeah. a book now. Yeah. Short story, whatever. However, the Winnie the Pooh stories were structured. Yeah. Well, Pooh's off to do his stoutness exercises, as he tells us. Yep. The stoutness exercise is a cute way of saying he needs to do his very rudimentary stretches because he can't actually do any real working out lazy bear. Well, it's because it's because he's literally a stuffed animal. I mean, how does that convert the muscle? I, when I was a kid, I was just like, haha, that's cute. And I think about it now, like all you're doing is basic stretches. And he can't even touch his toes. He rips his butt half the time. Yep, exactly. Especially if he's eating way too much honey. The joke is because it's a stoutness exercise, it's it's meant to make him more stout. Oh, shit. Wouldn't yeah. he be eating then? Yeah, yeah, he should just eat to do that. But well, he doesn't get anywhere there because he Pooh was sitting on a log. He was doing his thinking. So when he hops off, suddenly freezes in midair. Oh, Waru though. No. I mean, yeah, you go with that joke. Me, I just to me, it almost seems like the book was a CD that that froze halfway through loading. And much like that, you were then booted from the program. Yep. We sort of completely gets yeeted out of the world. Heartless are in uh, Merlin's house now. Goofy, why didn't you stop them? He's like, well, I just wanted to see how things would turn out. Yeah, probably. Sora, Donald, and Goofy, the cause of and solution to every world's problems. You know you're right. And when you're right, you're right. <laughs> so now we get to fight the Heartless, finally. Finally, we have the opportunity to get some fighting in. Because we don't want Merlin mad. We broke his stuff. We ran out to the street, and they've run off with the book. Yeah, Sora was born in a barn. He didn't shut the door. Heartless have swiped the book. They get the book back after fighting all the Heartless but they have torn a lot of the pages out. There's a, and there's a big old claw mark across the cover. Good work. Yeah, good work indeed. Well, we probably should check in on Pooh. We know already that removing parts of the book can destroy the existence of the being within. We better check that. So Pooh's back on his log, and now he's thinking about other things. <laughs> and he refers to Sora now as somebody I don't know. Fucking rude to people he doesn't know. Oh, he's also rude to the people he does know. Pooh just kind of crashes into people's house and does what he feels like. Even without the subtitles, you could hear the capital letters in that somebody I don't know. Yep. Yes. Yes. Pooh has gotten the Castle Oblivion Swiss cheese memory treatment here. He doesn't remember anyone. Mostly because the pages of the book are torn out and there's nothing that talks about his memory of meeting anyone else. Is... I have a question. Is this worse than the first time when Pooh was expecting to dissolve into nothingness and was just waiting for it? The shit is way bleaker for that Pooh, but this is personal. Now we know Pooh and he's calling us somebody he doesn't know. Yeah, yeah. now we know Pooh. We've conveniently helped him steal people's food. <laughs> we got to fix that later. We, yeah, we pop back out and Merlin's just there and he's just he's giving you the side eyes like you couldn't even wait for the old wizard, huh? I forget his exact rationale for it, probably just to get us to get the fuck out of his house, is he gives us Chicken Little, which is from a movie I always forget existed until I replay Kingdom Hearts 2. Our first summon. Well, Merlin, he says he's not going to tell Leon what we did, because apparently the book we approve <laughs> is Final Fantasy's most cherished element. And speaking of cherished elements, here's a gem with someone you've never met before. Right. 
Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, okay, got it. Merwin just wants us gone. Summons use drive gauge same as drive forms in this game. What they basically do is they get rid of your party members and replace them with your summon, like in the last game. And then occasionally you can do the summons limit break. Chicken Little's limit break turns the game into a first person shooter mode. It kind of sucks. <laughs> and before you do that, you are invulnerable during it, which I guess is OK. But for the most part, before you do Chicken Little's limit break, he just kind of runs around really fast and shoots people with a ray gun. It yep. mostly kind of juggles them a little bit, if I remember correctly. So which is kind of nice. But honestly, any day I'd rather eat Goofy or eat Donald and become Valor or Wisdom form. Let's be clear, though. There's only two summons in this game that are actually really good. And we won't get those until the last two. And one of those literally helped my malformed erroneous playthrough get way further than it should have. Yep. One of those is just flat out broken and it is important for level one games. So we head out to Olympus Coliseum, which is much expanded from the last game. Yeah, they added help. They actually added environments. <laughs> environments, not just hell, although most of it is hell, mm-hmm. but environments that we can actually do shit in. But since it's Kingdom Hearts 2, most of it's just roads. Yeah. I assume this is mostly Tartarus. This version of Hercules is already very anglicized, so why not get more literal with all its allusions, too? Mm -hmm. Yes. Also, we've basically converted everything happening here into some sort of weird wrestling fed. (laughs) Hercules is now, apparently, we find out, spending all his time fighting random giant monsters being thrown at him, not to protect people, but because it's what the audience wants. Yes. He starts by grabbing the Daroctite and doing a giant swing, spinning around and around and just flinging him out of the place. God help wherever that lands. If I could do a wrestling promoter voice, I would not subject you to that anyway. You don't want to know which ones I'd try. I can kind of do the... You know, the Sunday, 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 you know, sort of thing. The but monster truck it, commercial yeah. voice. Yes. It has overlap, and you would be yeah. forgiven for using that, but I do consider them a little different. They are different, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one is creative. <laughs> hey. I'll let you figure out which. I'm not the biggest wrestling mark, but at least outside the big one, there are some more interesting stuff being done these days. I was actually going to try and get to wrestling as the one that's creative, but monster trucks is just destruction. Pure destruction. I mean, that can be fun, but I'm not really the hugest fan of either. Mm. I kind of got a on and off wrestling affection, never anything too strong, but it comes and goes. So. Meanwhile, but but since Sora, Donald and Goofy are not very good people, they end up in hell right away where they also encounter Meg. Meg, the love interest from the Hercules movie, has nothing to do with Megara from Hades. I understand. Well, yes, and it has nothing to do with the Megara from Hercules' original myth because Disney's not that twisted. (laughs) But, hey, we have more Hercules character in this world. We're going to actually have a story now, it seems. We have three more than we did before. Yep. Meg's just hanging out in the underworld. In in the original movie, there's reasons for that, but we don't get any of that here. She's just there, and she's worried because Hercules is tiring himself out fighting all these monsters. And Sora's solution is, let's go talk to Hades. I'm sure he's a reasonable bloke. Yeah. So Hades is responsible for the overbooking, of course. Of course. <laughs> I mean, isn't he? He's the, he was the guy that was running all the tournaments in the last game. And yeah, he seemed to just be breaking into them until the end. Wait, doesn't Hades hate us? Oh, yeah. We we kicked his butt and, and knocked him into the rock tight, which somehow beat him up. But he probably doesn't remember any of that. <laughs> well, no, the, he's not the one who has memory problems. Thor doesn't remember any of that. 
<laughs> yeah, that's a good question. Did Dominate miss some things? Miss a spot? Well, he probably got it back because, you know, Sora's back, just like everyone else got it back. <laughs> Between Chain of Memories, what we saw at the start with Roxas, and the one I recently finished, there's, there's a lot of space here. So I say, oh, I dropped that one in the trash. He doesn't need that memory. <laughs> Olympus Coliseum, he's not going to need to use this again. Yeah, he's already beat Sephiroth. He's done all the matches. Yeah, he doesn't need this anymore. <laughs> no one's ever going to go back to Olympus Coliseum. And yet, the smallest world from the original game is actually one of the bigger ones in this version. Yep. the small, It was the smallest world in Kingdom Hearts 1. It just had tournaments, and that was it. That's all it was there for. Kingdom Hearts 2, it's one of the largest worlds, and it still has tournaments. With a big old branching cave to get lost in. Hercules is now a full-fledged hero. Last time he seemed like he kind of was, but he wasn't doing anything. I think he was kind of proving himself last game. Well, I mean, Phil definitely treated him as a hero, but he was just kind of there to observe the tournaments and fight in one match in them. Anyway, we got to go deep into the underworld to go talk to Hades. First thing that we notice is that our drive gauge has been disabled, which means we can't use that chicken little summon that we just got. Oh, no. I, I kind of feel that that's the whole heroes are zeros in the underworld thing. So the drive gauge is the hero mechanic. Yes, it is. That's It very much is, but we haven't been told that yet. Yeah. Some new Heartless for the stage of the Underworld. Some are brand new. Some are returning, like the Trick Ghosts. The new ones, let's see, there's the Rabid Dog, which is kind of adorable. Kind of worrying with that name. Uh, is Creeper Plant a new one as well, or is it returning? I forget. I feel like Creeper Plant first appeared in Chain of Memories. I remember running into it many times there, but never in the original. Right, okay. It's literally just like a flower on a four-leg pod, and the inside, middle of the four-petal flowers is a shadow face. I kind of feel, if I remember correctly, this was one of the harder combat worlds when you first get here. Yeah, I died a lot here. Yeah, this world's tough. Partly because you can't use drive here. Even if you had that, though, I think the enemies here are actually relatively tough. At least when you first get here. If you grind them up a little bit, they become not so bad. I seem to remember that the trick ghosts, which are the last enemies that we fight in here, were one of the bigger problems. Is that called? They're those ones with the searchlight uh, yeah, pieces, right? I think so. I don't remember them being that problematic in or, here. My most recent memories of the game are, wow, this is easier than I remember. Actually, no, trick ghosts are new. They have kind of like sleeping caps. They have a big, like, jagged mouth because they shoot fireballs from a candle it holds. So they're actually pretty nasty. That was okay. the search ghosts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, okay, so yeah, all three of the Heartless in here are new. Got it. Well, Creeper plants are kind of returning. And we do get some other ones. Like, who are the ones with the, like, the, the spear? See last episode. Okay. We might as well have something completely random happen. So yeah. the organization runs by screaming, run away. His hood is up, so we don't know who he is. He's booking it. He doesn't even look at you. And he drops a thing that we can't interact with yet. It's like a great big swirly vortex with a symbol in the middle. Which one is it? It's a book. Ah. Should we talk about I, what they are now or wait till we can actually touch it? Let's wait till we can actually touch it. You, you see a, a weird eldritch portal. You you have to touch it. So we cut to Pete and Hades hanging out. Yeah. And Hades explaining how the Vortex is all the worst guys. And Pete's like, well, that's nice. I'm going to head out. <laughs> yep. I should go. Yep. Pete doesn't want to be here anymore. Pete doesn't care. Okay. <laughs> Hades is going to bring out the mother of all bad guys. So naturally, what he, with all the fiction of Disney and Final Fantasy at his disposal, what horrible villain should he bring out? But no, wait, this doesn't, this doesn't read right. I wrote down Oron. That must be wrong, right, guys? No, it's Oron. 
Hmm, shoot. Guys, is Oron the coolest Final Fantasy character? He's one of the coolest looking Final Fantasy characters. I'm not sure I call him truly cool. I think he's pretty cool. I I think he was one of my favorite Final Fantasy X characters. The actual coolest Final Fantasy character is Ferris, but sure, we'll give it to Oron. <laughs> I see Oron as he was manufactured to look cool, but I never really bought what was beneath the surface. So, But it, this Kingdom Hearts version is smarter than Kingdom Hearts Cloud, at least. <laughs> Another question. Why is he in the Disney afterlife? Because he didn't actually exist. He was a fiction. And so like all the other fiction, when it disappeared from that world, when the faith went away. I, I'm trying to put together an actual cosmology here. I'm not just trying to make goofs. I'm trying to figure this shit out. I personally think that Hades has access to all the afterlives if he really wants to. This is the only afterlife in all of Kingdom Hearts. Both of those options are functionally the same, and it both lead me to say, I still think Hades made a terrible pick here. Yeah, I mean... He really did. So I have in my notes, Oren decides no fuck you with a badass line, and we're wondering why there are so many Final Fantasy characters in Hades' Rolodex. Well, Hades basically says, look, I have you under some sort of vague jail here. You do what I say, and I'll let you out. And Oren's like, no. And he just kind of well, okay. chunk of the lines. from his, his actual line is this is my story and you're not a part of it. Oran's going to be our teammate for this chapter, guys. Because what happens next is Oran actually smacks Hades into the ground and we just come in and he's like, ah, oh, these guys. Hades is unfortunately invincible because he's in the underworld. I have in my notes, let me check here. Guess we need to confront him in a snowy arena on the surface. My, not so much my notes, my instincts is, for some reason, his animations keep showing look like he's doing a little dance. Yeah, yeah, he does. Like a little like a little, a little arm boogie dance. Yeah, it kind of looks like that. Every time the scene cuts into him to just show, hey, it's just, it's just happening with Hades, he does the little shuffle. And it's <laughs> like, I, I'm doing the shuffle visually, even though this is a audio medium. But if you've, play, if you've played the game, you know exactly the shuffle. You know the shuffle. Yeah, and he's, he's got his arms doing a little boogie, like they're alternating going up and down just a little bit with his, his elbows tucked close to his to yeah, his body. I don't understand why they did that. It's an animation. It might have been like trying to replicate something from the Disney movie and failing horribly. So we get about 30 seconds of wailing on Hades, but just going straight through him. So we need to escape the underworld while being harassed by swarms of enemies. And is Sora just Zagreus, guys? Well, Thanatos and Riku do have pretty parallel themes, I would say. So the ship works. And, you know, since he's got two hands, that means he is quite possibly another disaster bisexual, so she can believe this to shippers. Fuck. Sora is kind of a social nightmare. So I think that was the point of my note then, because I guess this is just going to be another episode to talk about Hades. Yes! Okay, so I want to talk about my favorite ability builds. And because in Kingdom Hearts, that means forgetting to put in all your necessary abilities and dying repeatedly. Yeah. Um, first time I played this game on critical mode, I remember running into problems, but I did it on my first try this time. So uh, like Matt said, Hades brags how heroes are zeros in the underworld. It's the territory. So we got to run like hell. Oran stays behind. It's Sora. Like I said, he's socially a nightmare. He's like, but we're supposed to talk to Hades. Hades literally sticks his fingers in his ears like what? So this was useless. We just ran there as idi- like idiots. Oren catches up with them, I believe. Yep. Well, no, Oren joins us in here because we're able to use him in the escape section. Gotcha. So I have in my notes, Oren seems you were fated to meet. Maybe you need a guardian. Sora, fuck you, man. I'm an adult. 
So Oren is kind of the Yojimbo or, you know, bodyguard figure, isn't he? No, Yojimbo is Gilgamesh. See Final Fantasy 10 and 14. Man, Gil gets around a lot. Was he ever in Kingdom Hearts? Mm, I'm not sure. We would need someone with multiple arms, weapons, a hard-to-see face. Ah, crap. It's a bonus boss for one. Comes out of nowhere and just goes away, too. Okay, so Kurt Ziza, you won a contest. Now you're Greg. Yep. Kurt Ziza's <laughs> Gilgamesh. New head cannon. <laughs> I am glad we've came together to put this content on the earth. Yes. Yes. If we yeah. get far enough off the path, which took me about six tries or more, eventually we go back to Hades fuming, and Pete comes in condescends all over him. Yep. And He's like, look, I got all these heartless. You leave to me. You should go back to turning Hercules into a heartless. Hades is just mad and decides to send his three-headed good boy after us. That means we need a satyr sack, right? Uh, we don't, where can we find one around here? Maybe we can just go catch Phil in a burlap sack. Well, Donald always likes to point out where you can find good ingredients. Not in this game. <laughs> yeah, we make it up to the gates of the underworld and we have to fight Cerberus again. This time it's a bit more of a... It's not a, the same kind of fight as in the first game. First, we make Zagreus look like a chump. You know how you get through the unlockable gate of the underworld? Key lasers. Obviously. It's like, look, I have the sword of Arthur and the shield of Aelwulf. It just didn't Okay, but I have a keyblade, the thing that opens all doors. Keyblades literally hack the planet, don't they? Oh, yeah. Keyblades are ridiculously overpowered. No wonder Triton was as nervous as shit. It seems that they can unlock anything that can be conceptualized as a door or a lock. Yeah. Remember, a dark keyblade opened up someone's heart and turned them into a dragon. Yep. Yep. And so a lot of things can be conceptualized as a door or a lock. You just have to have the right frame of mind. But it also can seem to do damage to things that should not be able to. Like, we'll get into that later, but they seem to ignore the rules of a world and interact in ways they shouldn't. Yep. So I think we talked about it a bit last episode, but this fight against Cerberus was the first time in my last playthrough that I ended up getting saved by Mickey. Did we mention how Mickey, the way he hops around, it always puts me in mind of Star Wars Episode uh, 3 Yoda. Episode 2 or 3, one of the two. That's fair. That makes sense. I mean, Mickey's tiny. He's got he's got his cool weapon. He's ridiculously agile and fast. And he exists primarily to stall for time until you get up. I will say this Cerberus, even though he wasn't weakened like last time by Hercules, the big braggart, still fights mostly the same. Yep. Though you can't get on his back anymore. Well, that's that's for the next fight. Yeah, they saved all the get up on the back for the next fight. I think this time it's a little bit easier because by this time you have a few more tools than you had in the first game. Yep. I think it's the way where since this is the third world, you could be the third world if you decide to do one that way. But very few people seem to. We abandon Zoran to fight off the Cerberus as we get out of the underworld. Yeah, we literally open a door. Zoran fends off the Cerberus and we go through the door. Donald and Goofy are like, where's Zoran? And Sora's like, he can take care of himself. I don't think he can actually leave hell in his current state, though. Sure he can. <laughs> He's badass enough to do that. Yeah. <laughs> and in fact, I think what happens is you all run out of the door because we save Oron from the first fight with Cerberus, and then he chases off after the fight, and we get out there, and he's not there. And so I was like, yeah, I guess he can take care of himself. Yep. Let's find Meg and tell her how everything we did was pointless. Yeah, so Hades, pissed off about the fact that the Keyblade can open any lock, gets an idea based on the fact that the Keyblade can open any lock. And clearly proving he wasn't paying attention at all during the first game. Yeah. He just showed up to make catty comments at everyone. Yeah, Hades is now taking a more active role as a villain, and that means we're going to have another section of this world, making it the longest of the early story sections of this game. And it's so weird. Let's, let's recap so far. 
Hercules is fighting monsters basically to show off, but it's also almost killing him. We go into the underworld, meet a girl who's like, can you talk to Hades? We say, sure. We show up at Hades, get immediately chased out and have to fight a dog, and now we're back where we started. Mm-hmm. Uh, back at the surface, we're going to run into Herc and Phil for a bit. Hercules is out there. He's like, look, I got to give the fans what they want. You're not maintaining KFAB very well. Well, to be fair, when creature, when they were called monsters in wrestling, like one of those things like the Yeti, those were just guys in costumes. What? Yeah, there was a wrestler in WCW called the Yeti, which was a guy wrapped up like a mummy. Huh. What? I am dead serious. Then there's the goon who was a hockey player. What? And now you're being Stone Cold Steve Austin. What? Do you at least know the joke you're making? No. I thought I was making jokes from Reboot. No, you're actually doing wrestling there because it's a, it's a common crowd chat from Stone Cold Steve Austin's stamp in the crowd. What? For crowds to shout what at every statement someone they don't like is saying. So you were actually being perfect. Huh. What? <laughs> well, then. Hercules tells us there's actually a way to get rid of that hero zeroing effect. Yep. We got to get the Olympus Stone. Which sounds like a cool MacGuffin. Phil decides he wants to uh, dick, dick around with us a bit with minigames. Yep. Time for some bullshit training. The training minigame is conceptually similar to the barrel training minigame from the first game. But this time it is weird floating urns that we have to knock into each other. And it's like not a platforming thing because platforming doesn't exist in Kingdom Hearts 2, really. The whole point here is we need to knock these jars into each other. So which sounds pretty close to what the first game made you do. Yeah, but it's more of a score attack rather than a get all these barrels in X period of time. So Phil then says he's going to take off for a bit and tells us to mind your own business. And we back to Hercules say, oh, sorry, it was just stolen. Yep. Apparently Organization 13 has stolen the stone. Why? Guy in a black hooded cook with a bunch of creatures in white. It's like, okay. (laughs) Yep. Should have gone to get it earlier. Phil shouldn't have wasted our time. Oh, and now Hades has showed up as a kidnapped Meg. And he summons the Hydra. Yep, that he does. Sadly, this one is the cartoony purple one. But not as CGI as it was in the movie. So the next part of Olympus Coliseum is the second half of the underworld, because we have decided that this world needs to be really, really big. Well, we got shortchanged last time. The first first game, Olympus Coliseum, was three screens, two of them extremely tiny. This next part is a bit less straightforward than the uh, first path in the other world, which was more or less just a straight shot to Hades' office. Um, but this is more a maze. It, I would not call it a maze so much as a pseudo maze is probably what I'd call it. Like it, it's still pretty clear where you're going. There's like one little branch that takes you up to some treasure chests slash puzzle pieces. The only thing about it that's kind of weird is that you can fall through some fog. Yeah, rather than a maze, I'd call it a rudimentary jumping puzzle because the main thing is you just have to survive the real path. And if you miss, you have to jump your way back up and basically avoid Mm -hmm. the pitfalls. Right. And even then, jumping puzzle is a bit kind to it. You like Like I said, rudimentary. Yeah, like (laughs) there are some elevated plateaus that you can't get to until you have slightly better jumps from your. For one, you can't change into Valor form right now, so you can't get the good high jump from it. Our reward for making your way through this little maze is we meet up with a whiny guy. It is our first time that we get to officially meet Demix, correct? Yes, we've heard him speaking, but they've all been following the cloak rule number one up till now. How would you describe Demix? Everyone wears the same clothes, but how would you describe him when he unmasks? I would say he's the most childlike of all the organization members. 
He certainly looks the youngest. Yeah, he behaves the youngest as well. Like he's the band geek of the org. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Like he with his blonde hair swept straight up and his sitar, which inexplicably has guitar uh, fretting on it. He literally looks like the guy who has a garage band that meets every three weeks. And they're totally going to do a gig soon, guys. (laughs) Maybe they just meet in the basement of Castle Oblivion. Maybe that's why Laxius and Zexion were hanging out in there. Just like, where the fuck is Demix? We need to practice this week. But Laxius screwed up. He got the wrong type of axe. (laughs) Zexion was more of a uh, musical theater geek, so he thinks about a book as in writing the music there. So this this band was doomed. The the Oblivionites were just completely doomed. Yep. (laughs) Oblivionites. I love it. Next is the sulky dad who's out and yells at them that they're playing at 2 a.m. <laughs> yep, sounds I'm about just right. imagining which of the org can throw his voice and sound like Nathan Explosion or something like that. Ooh, I'd go for Sykes. <laughs> he, his tone is right. He just would have to drop about an octave or two. <laughs> <laughs> he, and, and he has to sound really gravelly. I definitely think the org's 13 members would have a black metal sort of band if they were to choose to do one. Darkness. <laughs> no parents. I, I, I might have a secret goal here. The goal of that you can't get Organization 13 without cracking up. And I will throw as much headcanon on them as possible if we can reach that. Please. Oh, absolutely. I'm, that is what I am here for. Give it to me. Yeah. Give it all to me. But, but going back slightly more official, Demix is the only one who actually has an instrument. He's got his guitar sitar. Mm. I really don't think a real sitar looks like that, even ignoring the weapon parts. It's a sitar that's also shaped like the organization logo. Don't wait. Good branding. <laughs> yeah, that is such a this is my stage instrument. Yes. <laughs> we, we talk a little bit about how most of the org seems to kind of be inspired by Final Fantasy classes in a lot of ways. So, you know, Demix is definitely the bard. A very spoony bard. And being a bard in many Final Fantasies is kind of not a good thing to be in terms of how they tend to design them. Like, <laughs> I think the only time bard has ever been good in the history of Final Fantasy is in Final Fantasy V. And even then, you have to, like, hey, work for it. I made a bard in fourteen for a lot for years. I'm sorry. <laughs> you recommended it. You said it'd be an easy one to learn. It is an easy one to learn. <laughs> it's easy to run around shooting arrows at things and then not do much damage. And then I think what everyone <laughs> sorry, remembers sorry. about this particular fight is dance, water, dance. Yeah. Like, but he is not David Bowie. No, he is not. But we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. I just want to yeah. mention Demix. You cannot take him seriously from the start. Sure. He, he, he's, he's got this cheerful, bro voice. He calls out to Roxas immediately, apparently being the only one not being told the whole Sora Roxas thing that we – the viewers and most of everyone else who isn't Sora's team knows. There is some part of that that's like maybe trying to be a bit emotionally manipulative, but he doesn't quite get what's going on. I really think that that's on purpose. It's kind of a gaslighting thing for Sora, I think. I feel like giving Demix your trust here is a bit pointless because the next thing he does is pull out his card of instructions for what to do. <laughs> what, what, is on the, what is on the card again? I forget. Let's see here. If the subject fails to respond, use aggression. Deliberate his true disposition. It just says, always do the opposite of what Sora says. <laughs> Don't give that card to, to me. <laughs> so anyway, we don't actually fight Demix himself here. We just fight a bunch of his stupid water clones. Yeah. 
Demix has just the weirdest mechanic. Does the timer exist in this fight? I don't know if the timer exists for this fight. I think it's just you have to beat up a number of water clones. And yeah, because apparently guitar plus elemental water magic indicates makes a bunch of clones yourself that turn into dancing notes. Yep. And the best way to fight these is actually to grab onto one of them and swing it around for whatever reason. That's the reaction command for them, right? Yeah. Let's just say we're not exactly impressed with their power and scale of the ability here. Correct. We get secret Ansem report number five. Ah, uh, yes. Oh, I got to do one today then. We also got the Olympus Stone, but that's not really a mechanical item as much as a MacGuffin. It's a mechanical item in that it allows us to use drive in the underworld. But technically all that means is we don't get something new. We just get back something that the game decided to withhold for a while. And so anyway. Does that mean it's time to do the report? Yes, it's time to do secret answer report number five. In this realm where all existence has been disintegrated, I have just barely managed to preserve my sense of self by continuing to think and to write. It is a place where even time has lost all meaning. Eternity is as but a moment here. I must make haste. Certainly their plans are already underway. The Heartless must be the key to unraveling this mystery. The six traitors were operating a laboratory that churned out those cursed shadows. Not only did they generate pure-blood Heartless from living hearts, but they then used those Heartless to synthesize artificial versions of the creatures as well. These synthetic Heartless bore insignias and were called emblems. Pure-blooded or emblem, these Heartless act only to fulfill their instinctive needs. They single-mindedly detect hearts and swarm around them. A human's commands would be ineffective. The Heartless would easily steal the human's heart and use it to increase their own ranks. But what if an even stronger Heartless was giving the orders? If he cast aside his own soul and body and became a Heartless, wouldn't he be able to control the otherwise intractable Heartless? Furthermore, wouldn't he be planning to make use of the creature's instincts? If the heart-seeking Heartless have their sights set on a larger, more powerful heart, their ultimate goal is crystal clear. The largest heart in existence. The heart of the world. This is all conjecture but it would seem he is utilizing the Heartless in his search for a path leading to the heart of the world. So it sounds like our, I guess, should we say this is a real Ansem now? We've already heard the one where he commented that someone was writing in his name. So Yeah, yeah okay. So this real Ansem has finally uh, figured out what the plot of Kingdom Hearts 1 was. <laughs> it sounds like he was somewhere where he wasn't getting regular reports. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, this is also a little bit after everything went to shit for him, it sounds like. So, mm-hmm. yeah, he's piecing things together. Right. He's piecing things together and you could sense the anger in it, in it too. Mm-hmm. He, he's a, he's a lot, there's definitely bits of invectitude in what he's writing this time. Mm-hmm. There's definitely an element of this author, you know, correctly being being afraid of the heartless. So and he like, definitely sees the idea of controlling them as hopeless for any human. So experimenting on them is basically a, a doomed project. Yep. yep. And so but then he also is like, wait, shit, what if that what if one of the traitors became a heartless he, himself? Yes. What if he were to be, say, someone willing to seek, seek darkness, perhaps? Yep. <laughs> Look, we're not exactly we're not exactly having a hard time guessing. Nope. <laughs> Again, he figured out the plot of the last game. Yes, Good so job catching up. Yes. So now, now we got this. Now that we beat the obvious idiot, we have to be an obvious idiot and walk into a trap. Yep. So there's a fake image of Meg that we need to get through, as I recall, right? 
I believe is like there and she's clearly transparent. And so I was like, oh, she must be trapped. I better save her. Let's just randomly shoot lasers from my unlocking device. <laughs> oh, the one other thing that our little fight with Demix gives us. This is now the time where we're actually able to go and uh, deal with the absent silhouette. Because hmm. if you if you didn't get enough Zexion last time, why didn't I have another shot at him? Yep. So the absent silhouettes are uh, redone fights with the... Uh, original organization, 13 members from Castle Oblivion. The ones are all toast. Yep, the ones that are all dead. Definitely not coming back ever. So the one that is here in Olympus is Zexion. The fight with Zexion in this absent silhouette is pretty much just a reprise of Riku's fight with Zexion in Chain of Memories. As I recall, you're, you're on the Crumbling Destiny Islands again? Yes, it's Crumbling Destiny Islands again, though this time there's a lot more mechanics to the fight other than beating his clashes and all that. Well, that's because it's no longer just the card game. It's it's a full action RPG, so they're going to put more yep. into it. Yep. He really goes heavy into the illusions and traps. He's very much an illusionist here. And like he will trap Donald and Goofy inside his books and you have to attack the books and open them up to get him get them out of there. And then he traps you in a book. You go into a book realm. We have to do a bunch of things like hit. I feel like hit like books flying around and that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of mechanics in this fight. It's probably the most heavy on mechanics fight in this part of the game right now. And, but yeah, in exchange, when it comes to the absent silhouettes, he's probably the lowest stat requirement for them. Yeah, you're hypothetically able to fight him uh, right, at the right. point that the absent silhouette is unlocked. Yes, it's difficult. I think I actually went off to another world or two and then came back. But that that's probably wise on critical mode, I'd say. Yeah, I think you're intended to do that on critical and prob mode. Mm hmm. Like, if you're if you're really precise, though, and you understand the mechanics, you do manage it, though. So then you beat Sexion, you, you get some crafting materials. Specifically, they're all cute that you can make things based on their weapons. So, yeah. OK, the door. I forget exactly how Meg is involved with the door seal. It's just kind of this crazy chamber with like a swirling vortex with like a seal over it. And mm -hmm. transparent Meg is put right in front of it. So basically you shoot right through her by accident. Right. OK, that's right. And so... We do what Hades wants us to do, uh, which is to unlock the what is it? The Underdrome? Is that what it's called? Yes, I believe so. And I'll just say this. I don't know why you want this unlock, because it doesn't really mean anything. Fair. You know what else is down here, though? Pete. Pete. I don't know. It seems that Hades is pretty happy when you unlock the Underdrome. He seems to make a lot of money out of it or something. I don't know. He's the promoter of this uh, wrestling fed, apparently. He wants to own the venue, too. He doesn't even trick you to going in there. He says, thanks for unlocking it. Bye. And you walk in on your own. We have to fight Pete here. And so even though it is, I found it quite easy to get him down to one HP. You cannot kill him in this first part of the fight because we need to be saved by Herc. And it's not even like how most boss fights you have to win with a combo ender. You just can't. Yeah. Again, I thought it was pretty easy to drop his HP down to one. But the game is just like, nope. Gotta wait. The Olympus Stone is not helping nearly as much as it should be. Yeah. Unfortunately, also down in the underworld, Herc can't do shit because he doesn't have the Olympus Stone. <laughs> but he does fly down on his horse. Yeah. Apparently he got sick of fighting the Hydra, or I think he chopped its head off and just assumed, well, that's it. Yep. That gives us another round with Pete. Does Pete do anything interesting in this fight? I forget. Herc, you're some sort of mechanic where Hercules has to, like, shield us or we have to interact with him. I think we have to charge Herc up for this fight. We have to do something that boosts him. I don't remember for sure, though. It has yeah. been a few months. And then just basically, Hades like, OK, open this place. But they're all there, so I'm just going to cave in it. 
I feel like we're spending a lot of time doing things that no one really cares about, including the bad guys. Yeah. <laughs> At least, though, we get our uh, big SDG party limit break with, from this fight, Trinity Limit, which is uh, Trinity Limit's a lot of fun. It's one of the limit breaks I'm like actually glad to do a lot of the time. <laughs> I'm not sure I ever actually used it. I never really got the hang of using limits very well. I, I kind of rarely use them. So the idea of Trinity Limit is each character has an action associated with them. And you want to gather all the enemies up using these actions and then do a big finisher. Hmm. Like Donald does a big conal attack. I think Goofy does a spin attack. Sora, I forget what Sora does off the top of my head, but once they join all together, they do a three musketeers stance, joining their weapons together and a big explosion happens. Kind of like the white Trinity marks back in uh, the first game. You manage to get out of there. You even get out of the cave in. So now Hades, once again, doesn't have his dome. But he's okay because you just let him destroy the surface with the Hydra. We're not going to title the episode Get Up on the Hydra's Back. We're better than that. But it's still time to get up up on on the the Hydra's Hydra's Back, back. Sora. Sora. Wow, that was not in sync at all in my ear. No, it wasn't. No. No. But that's okay. I'm pretty sure anyone listening just shut it off for that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, this is probably one of the most infamous sound clips uh, in in the RPG I can think of. I was Xenoblade 2. Mm, yeah. <laughs> think you can take me? Don't forget, Don't forget me. me. We were waiting and then, for that one. And then they edited him out of the game. How sad. Rest in peace, random guard. We won't forget you. You will not be forgotten. So now we're fighting a, a multi-headed Hydra. I have in my notes, I miss learning. Well, this one, you know... It was always just a weird CGI monster, even in the movie. I would say it's an epic fight, though it's not particularly hard. It uses the the, the Coliseum has been wrecked, so it kind of uses the wreckage to set up a lot of set pieces, like when heads burst in certain areas or where the body gets stuck. Mm-hmm. And I believe you work with Pegasus for a lot of it. Yeah, there's a Pegasus flight that you fly around attacking the heads. Like, there's a lot of cool shit you can do in this fight. But for the most part, it's all kind of like set piece rather than challenge is what I'd say. It's here to make you feel cool. The fact that the game finds a need to scream at you one mechanic in the fight and the character just keeps doing on a super fast loop, which of course we were already joking. But, you know, it's kind of cool. You're kind of flying around doing big stuff. Hercules has given up is on the ground, so it's up to you. So, yeah, you fight the thing, you win. It's pretty fun. And you get the best attack spell in the game. Thunder. Thunder is basically OP. I mean, I always like to get my MP back, unload all my thunders, fire a cure, then go back to melee combat until my MP regions. And that's kind of how I play the game by default. Yep. Thunder is a targeted AOE. So that alone is like you don't have to be looking at a thing. You can just like be sort of hovering over it and hit thunder. Eventually, you'll get other spells that make thunder even better. I've seen level one critical mode playthroughs that basically just exploit thunder, one other spell and a summon. And that's the only way they fight in a lot of the trash in the game. Huh. <laughs> even even in the uh, Cavern of Remembrance. Oh, you sure you don't mean the, the hallway? The hallway. I was watching a video of them doing this in the hallway and I'm just like, mm. I see. So we can't really celebrate because the Hydra's wrecked the place and Hercules is devastated that he didn't protect the empty stands. I have in my notes, uh, Herc's depressed, but Meg is horny, so it's probably going to be OK. <laughs> well, not if, not if you consider the uh, their role in the myth originally. Does Disney ever consider the role in the myth originally? They've turned Herc into Jesus because they turned Zeus into God, OK? 
And they turn Hades into Camp Satan. I know. <laughs> yep, yep. The Olympus Stone somehow becomes our new gate. Is it just like the first MacGuffin you find in the world, what you point the keyblade at? But did that membership card really count as a MacGuffin? Well, the definition of a MacGuffin is something that the characters care about, but the audience does not. My definition always was it's something that's cared about, but what it is doesn't matter. You could literally change the word to anything there. Like, I always remember a reviewer who made a joke that you could change change out something in one plot with walrus tusk and it would make just as much sense. Everything's a walrus tusk. Got it. Except I don't want to use that repeatedly because that is from the online reviewer. So Got it. <laughs> So after that, I have in my notes, we have a Maleficent post note. Maleficent is pissed and none of the villains are coming back to Revo Council and isn't impressed with Organization 13 or Sora either. No one's returned my RSVP. Rude. Do you know what I get like when parties don't work without me? I mean, she used to be like the world villain before we took her down. Everybody respected yeah. her and, and came if she summoned them. And now they're just ignoring her. What the hell? Yeah, no one gives a shit about Maleficent anymore. Maleficent is old news. Everyone's all about that Organization 13 now. Except for Pete. Pete's loyal. Pete is good. Yeah. Is loyal the word when you're just kind of too dumb to realize you might be making the wrong pick? Given Maleficent's staying power in this series, maybe Pete is not making the wrong pick. We have the question is choices, his, you know, yes. work choices, his fashion choices. I also have in my notes, mini post note, something thorny is happening in Disney Castle. Open parentheses. Oh, no. Close parentheses. Well, that's going to have to wait, though, because we've kind of reached all the time we have this week. Yep. Next week, we ask the most important question in Kingdom Hearts 2. Just what the fuck is a cornerstone anyway? Did anyone look up what one is? Oh shit. We might need to do that, but that's for next time. So until then, I'm John. I'm Jared. And I'm Matt. And remember, a good story is best enjoyed with friends. Thank you for listening to Backlog Dialogues. If you're enjoying our deep dives and discussions, be sure to leave a five-star review on the podcatcher of your choice. If you're really enjoying our deep dives and discussions, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash backlogdialogues. If you'd like to hear more episodes, you can find our archives at backlogdialogues.com. Special thanks to Eli for our theme song. Kingdom Hearts and all associated trademarks are the property of Disney and Square Enix. Please support the official release. So that time you said Chip and Dale, I really didn't hear Chip and Dale, but I think you can guess what I did hear. <laughs> Get your mind out of the gutter, Jared. That... I, I do not think there are there are any male strippers in Kingdom Hearts, unfortunately. It was an animatic for a one of the boss fight uh, dialogues in Hades for Theseus, and it's one with him and Stairs have a moment. So, so is this that ship of Theseus I've heard so much about? <laughs> That's terrible. Odd. Yes. Okay. The I, Asterius and Theseus are like my favorite awful pairing in that game. Yeah, it's codependent. Well, in one way, you do have the, you know, you do have the more positive one keeping the worst one in check, so. Okay, I, yeah. Okay, I'm really proud of y'all, but I gotta stop you right there, because before we can start talking about Hades again, we need to get through this Winnie the Pooh shit. Sorry. <laughs> we're very excited, because we're actually going to go to Hades. Yes, we're going to get to so, talk, we're going to get to return to our mini log. I hope y'all watched it. <laughs> I, but, I always watch audio files. Listen to it. I hope you all listen to it.
Yeah. Yeah. I don't got anything funnier to say than yeah. Oof. I was, I'm just laughing because every so often I come across like a meme that you need to know, like when they cry Final Fantasy 14 and Kingdom Hearts all together in order to get it or something like that. And, and that or, meme know... is this podcast. <laughs> oh my God. What have we done?